coming up on this episode of the podcast Under the Stairs. It's a double bill of Argento, and I'm joined by my good buddy Richard. Hi, Richard. Hello, Duncan. Yes, not Duncan. On this show, you can expect <laughs> some weird and wonderful conversation about long tits. Um, we maybe, maybe uh, talk about some Azure tits. Oh, Azure tits. Uh, mm. No, I'm not doing it till later. You gotta wait. You gotta wait. Till gotta later. wait for old banana boobs. You gotta wait for those banana boobs. Uh, we're gonna talk about Argento, past, present, and future. Uh, Richard is gonna talk to us about why he is bitching and why everyone should love him. Mm. That happened, I think, didn't it? Did we like twice. It? Twice. That, At least twice. <laughs> it should have been more than twice. We'll make it more than twice. We'll um, make it thrice. <laughs> thrice. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a whole lot of our gentle love. Is there anything else we need to sell them on this show, Richard? Uh, yetis and mer people. Be happen. Didn't. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen. It's good. <laughs> so, plenty of things to listen to on episode 105 of the podcast Under the Stairs. But before we get to that, this is year four, motherfuckers. And this time, it's war. Warning. The podcast Under the Stairs is not safe for work. We'll feature movie spoilers and language which most listeners may find offensive. Brought to you in conjunction with Legion Podcast Network. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 105. I'm your host Duncan McLeish and welcome to the show. Episode 105 brings us a double bill of Argento weirdness. This is later career Argento. You know that way where you're like the Rolling Stones and you're just like you're just kind of up on stage just out your face on drugs and hookers and I'm not saying that Argento was doing drugs and hookers in, in the 1990s but I kind of am actually I think he probably was doing quite a lot of that and it shows and it's, it's it's going to be glorious to talk about and as promised last year to return to the show to help me continue to look into these weird and wonderful bizarre Italian horror movies um, a show that I promised I think it was about five months ago when this guest was on and we're finally finally fulfilled our promise, which is better than what a lot of politicians get to. Um, joining me on this show to discuss Trauma from 1993 and Sleepless from 2001 is my very good friend from Hello, This is the Doom Show podcast. It is Richard Glenn Smith. How are you doing, sir? Hello, Duncan. It's weird <laughs> hearing your voice because I missed it. I kind of missed you as well. I, you don't know this right now, <laughs> but right now I'm pressing my microphone into my bosom. Mm, I can hear several hearts beating at once, so <laughs> maybe you watched uh, uh, Earth Girls Are Easy too many times. One too many times. One too <laughs> many times. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, like I say, it's been, 
it's been several, several months, and I, I will put this all on me because I, I think the last time we spoke, I was like, yeah, before the end of the year, back on double bill argent, oh yeah, <laughs> and then like the end of the year swung around, and I was like, uh, <laughs> it's like Christmas, uh, and then the start of the year happened, and I was like, oh January. <laughs> uh, and then February's never a great month because it's too short, no work done. Uh, so, in March, it seems right to have you on in March. We're kind of marching towards spring. And these are a couple <laughs> of movies with a spring in their step. Absolutely. <laughs> so, what, what have you been up to since I spoke to you last Oh, time? my God. Too much. Uh, I've been working on a book, uh, trying to finish up Doomed Movie Thon, the book. Mm-hmm. Been having some. Uh, Franco movie thons. Oh, been having some 80s movie thons. So it's almost, they're almost done. It's going to be, I think, the longest of the three books that I've put out with them so far. And then uh, my band, uh, we finally finished our album. Yay! A year in the making. <laughs> it should sound way better than it does because it took a damn year. <laughs> but. We're proud of it. We're very happy. Uh, we didn't pay anybody. We did it all ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the only thing it cost was our peace of minds. Yeah, it's a small or price. Or pieces of mind. Pieces of minds. <laughs> you bastard! Mm-hmm. Sorry, you just said pieces. No, like it's like, it's oh, like nan flashbacks for me. I just... It's a bad chop suey right there. <laughs> I'll tell you what about pieces, man. I showed that to my friend who doesn't even watch movies. Like, he's not even a movie fan. Mm-hmm. He's like, I have to have this Blu-ray. I have to have this Blu-ray. He loved it. He he made me rewind it during the Kung Fu Professor oh, scene. That's the greatest scene in cinema history. Uh, it's even crazier because his wife, uh, she's working on, I believe she's working on a doctorate, and she's working on um, uh, genocide studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, she's studying um, war crimes. Oh, right. And, of course... Uh, the war crimes that America committed against Vietnam. Yeah, just a few. So she's like, what just happened? This this <laughs> in itself is a war crime. This <laughs> event, you know? <laughs> oh dear. The Spaniards didn't give a fuck. Like, to, like, mm-hmm. like see Spanish cinema, uh, they just don't give a fuck. They're just like, yeah, racial stereotypes, let's throw them in there. Let's, let's, make, let's make funny jokes. This is what all, all Americans look like this. All Americans talk. All American cops talk like this. God hey, those Italians kill the animals. Let's let's do it too and worse. Yeah, let's in, just in greater detail. Let's just go for it. Swing for the fences. Kind of, kind of, kind of makes you wonder what it would be like to be a fly in the wall working in the movie industry in that time period in some of those countries. It must have just been a, like a free for all. You know, no ideas wrong. You're like, how do we finish this movie? I don't know. Like, someone runs towards the screen, screaming, and it cracks. That, that sounds like a plausible ending. We're like, cut it. Let's let's get that film out there onto the next project. Definitely no drugs. <laughs> None at all. None. No cocaine influenced this at all. No, not one single solitary drug. No, no alcohol. No caffeine. <laughs> only, only kale smoothies. Um, they were straight edge, yeah. Straight, straight edge vegans. Yep, as far as I can see. That's, that's Maybe they were freegans. Freegans. They were dumpster diving and got some, some bad shop suing. <laughs> <laughs> Brought it oh, all back. I'm, a, I'm 
currently working on season three of Chronicle at the moment, and it's going to be exclusively Emily. looking at Fulci. Um, and like, just like obviously, I'm doing the the horror side of Fulci, but when you look at that man's filmography, it is one of the scariest filmographies ever, just in terms of productivity, and then just the range. It's like Bava, uh, you know. I, Argento to a lesser to an extent because he only really kind of deviated like once um, but to see what these guys were doing at the time which was just everything like everything I, I'll do a spaghetti western today romantic sex comedy like tomorrow maybe squeeze a jalo in and then maybe a, a police procedural um, and then an action comedy and then some more spaghetti western and then more horror and then a zombie movie and it's just like and these guys were doing like three movies a year. Um, yeah. And by this point, Argento, like for the movies we were talking about, Argento's kind of slowed down production. Very, <laughs> very, very, very busy guy in the 70s and 80s. The 90s are kind of the, the, the gears are starting to slow down a little bit. By the 2000s, it's the, you know, there's, there's not a huge amount of content. But what I would say is the last movie we spoke about that was an Argento movie was Two Evil Eyes. Mm-hmm. And that is the movie that comes before Trauma. So it's kind of interesting to see the transition between uh, his, his segment and there uh, into Trauma. And then a lot of people kind of write him off at this point and then to see what it comes back with with Sleepless. So it's, uh, it's good times is what I'm saying. It's good times. <laughs> good time to be alive. Well, you know, him breaking out into America, specifically Minnesota, yeah. is, is really just... <laughs> How could it not be interesting to talk about? Yeah, even for people who like don't like trauma, it's there's so much going on. Holy crap! Yeah, it's just the like once again, it's like no idea was off the table. Um, (laughs) You know, it's like it's like trauma kind of feels on some level, and we will get into formally. But trauma kind of feels like um, like a script De Palma passed up. You know, yeah. I mean, like it's like a script that was written for, like a story or script that was written for De Palma that De Palma passed up and he gave it to Argento and just said, "Run with it." Uh, <laughs> and he gave you the Argento, even down to the Pino Donaggio score. I was like, Jesus Christ! Um, but anyway, we're jumping ahead here. Can't have this. This, this always <laughs> happens. So I get flustered when you're on the show, Richard. Mm. Oh. I do cause blood rushing to certain parts. So. Well, I can testify that that has happened. <laughs> it has happened while recording. Uh, so yeah, like like we said, we're going to discuss trauma from 1993 and sleepless from 2001. But before we get into that, this is the point in the show I always like to tell my guests they can uh, plunk their many projects. You sound like you've got everything happening at the moment. Oh, so tell the listeners where they can check out your show, your band and your writings. Ooh. Uh, well, if you go to that, I think it's called Manmazon. It's like Amazon for men. Oh, you can look. My oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Amazon. They won't let me on the manly one yet. <laughs> I have to prove my manhood. Uh, you can find my books, uh, Giallo Meltdown and Cinema Sonambulist. Uh, give Doomed Movie Thon the book a little while longer. I gotta, like, I don't know, edit it or something. Uh, <laughs> but while you're on Amazon, Filling your shopping cart or basket. I'm not judgy on different countries' terminology. (laughs) Uh, Gyrojets is the name of my band, and the album is called You're Never Nothing. Uh, It's hot, and it's full of jam. Jamming? I don't know. Man jam? 
And if you want to hear my podcast, it's uh, Hello, This is the Doom Show, hellodoomshow.podomatic.com. You, <clears throat> excuse me. You can go there or you can go to doomedmoviethon.com and find all about me, even though <laughs> you're probably sick of me already. I apologize, everybody. No, not at all. I play, like, people should already be checking out that show because I play your promo all the time because it's like my favorite promo ever. Thank you. I do have a crush on that promo. I sometimes play it, play it so I can help me go to sleep. So it's a soothing, soothing <laughs> voice. You're sleepless? Yeah, because I'm always sleepless. I've forgotten that <laughs> damn nursery rhyme. If only I could remember. Ah, oh, damn you, Max von Sydow. Honestly, you <laughs> sexy grey fox. Uh, right, we're going to take our first break of the show. You are going to hear promos for shows that I love. I guess I'll put the hello, this is the show promo in here because it just makes sense and I like symmetry um, you've just talked about it so it makes sense um, so yeah I'll put that here and you're also going to hear the promo trailer for Trauma now I actually managed to find a, a, an English language one which made me happy because the first three I checked out were all in Italian and it was all crazy so so this one will be in English yay uh, you're going to hear that just now when me and Richard return after the break we're going to be discussing drama right after this hello and welcome to hello this is the doom show I'm Richard and I hate the burning shh who are you speak <laughs> and I'm Brad she came in and said, bark, 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 and he said, bark, 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 and she said, bark, 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 bark. that's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner, the other is the Inferno boner. <laughs> which, anyway. Which one is crying? <laughs> the boner of tears. <laughs> Hello, This is the Doomed Show is available on Show.podomatic. Dot com and doomedmoviethon.com Hello, hello, this is the Doom Show, Richard Brad Jeffrey Nava. It's the Doom Show. Hello, hello, this is the Doom Show, slashes, G.I. Low and Horror. Almost midnight. Enough time for one more story. They try to kill us. You ungodly warlock. But we just won't stay dead. What's the matter? You can't hold your liquor, huh? The Midnight Horror Show. The internet's goriest and raunchiest horror podcast since 2008. Now live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at tmhsradio.com. Listen on your mobile device with the TuneIn app. Search TMHS Radio or download us at iTunes, Podomatic, or the TMHS Radio page. Part. Get face, 
You saw him. Because someone is watching. Your friend may be in real danger. Someone is waiting. Were they lovers? Lovers. Someone who knows the past cannot be forgotten. They were decapitating. The severed heads of all seven headhunter victims were found in the trunk of his car. And never forgiven. She's not here. They just came and took her away. Ara, you're all alone now. Christopher Rydell, Asia Argento, Frederick Forrest, James Russo, and Piper Laurie. In Dario Argento's maddening thriller, Trauma. And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for our first movie review. This is Trauma from 1993, directed by master of horror Dario Argento, based on some Italian people's stories. Uh, I will not, I, I'm going to try and skip over as much of the stuff I can't pronounce as quick as possible here. Because <laughs> apparently it's an ongoing joke now. Thanks very much for that, Baz. You made it into a joke. Uh, so, this movie stars Christopher Rydell, Ajar Gentle. Oh, Ajar Gentle. Oh, Doctor. At last, my love is going <laughs> Oh, my God. Every time she's on the screen, I'm like, oh, swoon. <laughs> Be still, my beating heart. Why is my hand in my pants? Uh, Piper Laurie is in this movie. Frederick Forrest, Laura Johnson, Dominique Sarand, James Russo, Ira Belgrade, Brad Dourif. Uh, who you just kind of feel like well, he was maybe like he had like an hour spare or something. That you know, one day yeah. he was just like what he was in Minnesota one day for some reason, and he was having coffee, and they were filming outside or something, and. Argento was like, can I get maybe just a set? We'll chop your head off, it'll be really cool. Uh, so Brad Dourif's in this movie. Uh, not playing the villain, weirdly enough. Uh, Sharon Barr, other folks are in the movie. Synopsis is listed on IMDb. A young man tries to help a teenage European girl who escaped from a clinic hospital after witnessing the murder, this is terribly written, the murder of her parents by a serial killer, no punctuation, and they try and find the killer before the killer finds them. <laughs> Can feel like East Ventura when he's describing a crime. <laughs> Should take a deep breath. Should take a deep breath. Um, yeah, that kind of sums up what happens. Uh, so, first question I need to ask you, my good friend. Uh, when was the first time you saw Trauma? Was this was this a later Argento watch, um, or was this was this one that you would have been checking out about the time you were renting VHS, etc.? Oh yeah, this was VHS days for me. Um, I had seen a show on MTV called uh, Stephen King's World of Horror, and it was Argento, 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 with a dash of Argento. Uh So I was pretty fired up about the guy in the early 90s, and so I'd seen Creepers, a.k.a. Phenomena, and then this dropped on VHS, I think... Uh, by the time I was uh, maybe a senior in high school, so my last year of high school, and I remember renting this and just thinking it was the weirdest shit I'd ever <laughs> seen. Now, this movie is so weird because 
you get used to Hollywood cinema when you're a kid, uh-huh. and when you step outside of that, you're you don't judge it the way you judge harshly. You're not like, why why doesn't like the dubbing like match their mouths? <laughs> or, it's it's what I immediately noticed about this was that it was batshit crazy. Yeah, and it's it's definitely um, a fish out of water story for Argento <laughs> being in America like <laughs> oh certain God. stuff like I think he was just in awe of suburbia or something like wow what is this magical place yeah but uh, no I I very happy when I revisited this film years later uh, when uh uh Anchor Bay DVD put it out. I still have that same uh, Anchor Bay DVD, and man, it's just oh, just really ah, it's nostalgic. So you maybe folks at home can't trust me too much, (laughs) but uh, too bad. I won't show my hand completely yet, but uh, I'm excited to be talking about it too. It's a strange one. It's a really, really strange one. I, I, we were speaking off air about this. the very, I was going to say the very first, that's not true, the second ever podcast under the stairs round table that was done, which I think was 2015, I want to say it was 2015, we did, um, maybe in 2014 actually, we did a round table on Argento, he was the first director that we put under the, the round table spotlight, which is... For those that have never checked out a T-Putch Roundtable, basically means you watch every single movie and then you come on and talk about them. And then we go decade by decade and kind of chart the, the, the peaks and the troughs of um, great directors' careers to see to see where they ended up, essentially. And Argento is one of those ones that really, out of almost all of them, maybe except for our Romero to an extent, has visible highs and visible lows. I mean, like, like, like straight off the back, you know, how did this director who did this movie do this movie? This makes no sense. Um, and a lot of people say trauma is the, you know, the initial crack in the hull. You know, the one that's the visible crack. I mean, there's some people that like say that opera isn't a great movie. They're wrong. Uh, but you know, complain <laughs> about opera. Um, there, there are people that will go far as back to say that he, he kind of started losing it during, uh, you know, the making of Inferno. Which once again, you're so fucking wrong. Um, <laughs> God damn it, get off, get off my show if you say that. Um, and like trauma's the the first one where, from my point of view. There is a there's a huge disconnect between narrative and style, you know, where it's t- down to the point where it's like that. I don't really care what the actors are doing. I don't really care if they turn in the greatest performance I've ever seen. But I have a clear vision of some of the things I want to do here. So I'm going to focus a lot of time on them, mm. and you know, pull back. But there is so much to be excited about watching a movie like Trauma. I think you're right. I think this idea of suburbia. It really must. I, I for some reason I just imagine him like sitting down watching like Blue Velvet. I don't know why. <laughs> I just imagine like Argento watching Lynch's Blue Velvet and saying, "I want Dude. to make a movie like that." And it's get- funny you say that because I didn't write it down, but I had a weird Lynchian vibe. Yeah. While just- I was watching this, because of course on my show uh, Simon and I uh, like 
dive into the entire series and fire walk with me mm-hmm. in two possibly overly ambitious episodes. <laughs> and so it's still really fresh in my mind, but I was getting that, uh, cause you know, uh, David Lynch, also an alien mm-hmm. like, uh, Argento, although Argento loses out in the looks department while David Lynch <laughs> is a really like a hot alien. <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> That's that's funny you mentioned that though. I like it. Yeah, I, I, I just I don't know what what especially on this viewing. Eh, I'm going through a similar Twin Peaks journey just now actually. And, eh, there you are. Yeah, and I I don't know. It just sprung out to me, and this is about the right time period for it. I mean, Twin Peaks would have finished by now, so um, it kind of makes sense that kind of idea of a kind of mystery and peeling back the layers of suburbia is still very much fresh in people's minds from a show like that. Also, what I really like about it as well is the idea of, like, I've always said Argento is, is that he's most interesting when he's doing giallo work, but that's not necessarily to say that his best movies are all giallos, I think, or jally. I think um, he has, in the past, shown immense flair when dealing with supernatural stuff. You know, Suspiria has clearly evidence of that, and so is Inferno. But... You know, when you see him, or even Phenomena to an extent, which has a kind of weird supernaturally sort of vibe going through, even though it, it still also has elements of Jallo in there. Um, when we see him travel over and then, you know, do opera, get opera out of the way, uh, or terror at the opera, depending on what territory you're in, um, gets <laughs> that movie out of the way and then starts moving into his 90s career, he kind of settles back. It's almost as if the American movie machine is like, right, you are a director that does this sort of movie, do this sort of movie. Yeah. And he sits down to do Trauma, and he's still wanting to, I think he wants to play around, I think he wants to do things different. There's a a clear personal storyline going on through here, uh, the fact that he's, his daughter, not Asia, uh, the, the older one, um, I think it was the older one, uh, had anorexia, so the, the fact that Azure plays an anorexic in this story, it, it kinda, and there's a lot of info dump about <laughs> anorexia in this movie. The way that, you know, like, like 90s horror movies would do that, they would speak dim to you, almost as if you didn't. Oh, this is a new term. God. You've never heard of this before. It's called mental illness. Now, let me tell you something about mental illness, Richard. There is a lot of things that are, you know, and then they get, it's like, it's like there's a guy here who has no credibility really in the story who kind of looks like Egon Spengler if Egon let himself, oh my God, yeah. Yeah, let himself go just a little bit and he delivers all this information on anorexia and like a two minute diatribe which doesn't really make you know it's like how do you know this and he's just like hey I watch you know I watch some uh, detail I watch Maury and I watch and you're like what, what? <laughs> this what? this movie taught me about a lot of things alright <laughs> Uh, the one thing it didn't teach me about was anorexia. Um, even with all of the info dumping, it is so specific to Freud, I think, yeah. that it's like uh, you don't learn anything about anorexia. Yeah. And I'm confused about is it anorexia or bulimia? Yeah, um, but, yeah to me, that, to me, what she. 
the act of what she is doing is bulimia and not anorexia, but I can't remember if back then there there was a differentiation between the exactly. two. Exactly. I think it may have all been, you know, that way where for a, a good period of time everyone had irritable bill syndrome, and nowadays it's people are celiacs and things like that, you know what I mean? You'll yeah. have a gluten intolerance and all the rest, which are things that have come <laughs> out from that one, like it was everything, like you've got a, you've got a problem with going to the toilet. Irritable bill syndrome. Right, next. Like, this you know, has all been covered, though, on that Different Strokes episode <laughs> where the sister had bulimia. Yes. So, done. Yeah, done. They're done. They cured it because of that episode. We don't need to look at that now. We don't need to... Sp- and it's like... it's, it's <laughs> they, they do... You're right. They, they hit you with, like, hardcore Freud. This guy's like regular, you know. I think it's something to do with they see their fathers trying to touch them, and and oh, I'm, I'm watching this going, this is very weird. And thankfully, it is only two minutes of the movie stuck at a weird position, and then we never really need to think about it again, like at all. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But which is good. What some things I, I I've got to talk about a couple of things I love about this movie, and then I'm going to get you to do the same, and then we'll maybe talk about some things that aren't great because okay. inevitably they will come up. Um, oh. Before we bring it back down to, to a, a nice a nice close, I think trauma has a couple of things going really well for it. I think we're going to probably cross swords. I, I believe that's the terminology, isn't it? Uh, oh my god, our our penises. Yeah, that's are going to touch. Yeah, our movie, our movie analysis cocks are going to touch. I love Skype so much right now. <laughs> um, trauma to me has a couple of things that give it like not only instant credibility but give it like this really interesting kind of twist because this is the, this is us getting Argento and Savini on the same project yeah which like if you are a fan of horror cinema growing up in the 80s you're like Argento gives us a gore Savini gives us a gore can we have them together bam can, can we have them together and they had already had them together Kinda um, on the previous project, who Evil Eyes really right. did, uh, you know, the special effects makeup on that one, and then it carries over to do trauma with Argento. And from from what I what I have read in books about this is that the original ideas that Savini had were insane. Like like every every scene was just going to have blood viscerally splitting. Like splitting through walls that is that powerful coming out of a vein, um, <laughs> and ultimately it was toned back quite a bit because Argento really wanted to focus more on the the kind of the horror aspect, the mystery thriller aspect, rather than the out and out gore. However, that does not mean that you do not get some incredible gore in this one, and possibly one of the greatest killing weapons in. Might maybe go as far as horror history. I think this the the, the Nusomatic or whatever they called it is just one of the. I mean, I, I I struggle to think of any movie that has a device for killing that is even on the same level as cool as this handheld garrot. Uh, can you think of anything? Um, I think the only thing. I mean, obviously, this is technologically much simpler, <clears throat> but. The fact that this is like a portable guillotine, uh, the scissors, the giant head-cutting shears from Exorcist Three. Oh, good, good one. The that's like so specifically for one purpose only. You know that 
I mean, maybe this uh, this portable uh, beheading device, you know, has a practical purpose, but God knows they don't use it for that here. Yes, yeah, like but what? It's the strangest thing because it looks like Thor's hammer um, from Mjolnir. the outset. It, it, it looks like Thor's hammer with like just like a bit of cheese wire hanging off it. Um, <laughs> Human you, cheese wire. Human cheese wire. And then when you see this thing go, it's just, you watch it, you just go, this is the stuff of mad genius right now. Um, and the till itself, the, the actual weapon is designed, you know, this is a Savini effect. And it's incredible. And it's the, one of the reasons, I've, I know there's a lot of people that say he's a bit of a dick and all the rest. I've never met the man, so I can't, I can't put judgment on him. Um, the only time I've ever heard him speak about horror has been in... On DVDs and things like that, or documentaries, and he always speaks very highly of it. But this is just a bitching kill device. Totally, um, it's fucking great. Uh, the the Pino Donaggio score is like incredibly not what you would oh expect for this. It's very over the top. Like it's like simple Ooh. scenes where a character looks at another one, and you're getting. It is a divisive. Score. I, I did not like Pino Donaggio's score for this film at all at first. And yeah. now I'm like, well, it's weird, so of course I like it. It's, it, adds yeah. to the, it adds to the weirdness, I think. Originally, the plan was to try and get Goblin back on. Um, and uh, the studio was like, what, an, uh, an Italian prog rock band? No, nope. let's give us this this incredibly talented, you know, Oscar-nominated Pino Donaggio. Right. Exactly. Um, because this movie feels like De Palma, and God damn it, we will give you De Palma's scorer. Here he is here. Now, right if, if anyone is going to handle uh, a sensitive issue like anorexia with uh, boxing gloves, yeah. you know, it's going to be uh, Brian De Palma because yeah. he always dealt with mental health issues so sensitively. So sensitively. Just like Argento. <laughs> yeah, the two of them are masters of the subtle craft. They should just quit and be therapists. God, they're so good. <laughs> they understand it so well. I would love uh, the Cronenberg Cronenberg to reshoot <laughs> his movie he did with Freud and um, what's the other one? Freud and ah, another uh, guy, another guy that was Freud's apprentice. I'll come back to me. Uh, but have Argento <laughs> as one of them and De Palma as the other. Nice. That'd be the greatest thing. That would be the greatest thing ever. Can't can't we have that Hollywood? Is that too much to ask from you? Like I imagine Argento and De Palma arguing at first uh -huh. because you know you stole my stuff, you stole my stuff. Then they just start making out. <laughs> mm, that's hot. That's my dream. You just like kind of grey bald heads just bobbing <laughs> up and down, sweaty, <laughs> nice. Nice, like a couple of aged coconuts. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh god! Every now and again, I fucking gross myself out. Um, the other thing I love about this this story is I actually really like Asia Argento's performance. I know she's a wildly inconsistent actress. I don't think yeah. I'm breaking down the walls by saying that. <laughs> I actually think she's really good in this. Um, she's obviously in a very weird position in that her dad is directing her. Her dad is asking her to get naked. Mm. Which she does. Unless my love <laughs> come around. 
Just, I was just thinking about those sweet titties again. Um, oh, doctor. Oh, my God. Oh, just take a second. <laughs> um, ooh, ooh, let's get yeah, warmer ooh. here. Ah, uh, but I think she's really good in this. I think she... I'm not, now, let me get this... Let me just, like... Let, let me put some context to what I'm saying. I think this is, she's really good in this as Aja Argento performances go. This is not, mm. you know, like, this is not an incredible performance, but I, I believe that the character, you know, is pained, is wounded, is suffering something. Um, I think during the scenes of our, our kind of flashbacks, I think she actually plays that quite well. Um, I, I think she at times struggles fully with the, you know, the portrayal of emotion. Um, she's very good at portraying fear. She's not well, no oh, yeah. her, like her dad probably terrified her every single day of her life uh, <laughs> like every single fucking day um, but she isn't always great at portraying other emotions and she doesn't really have to in this movie she's a damaged flawed character and that kind of fits her I think in real life she is kind of damaged and kind of flawed um, oh, doctor. Yeah, just a bit. Um, so I think, she, I think she's good <clears throat> in this one as well I think Piper Laurie coming right off Twin Peaks um, is playing pretty much the same role, and that works out really well for her. I think, uh, I think Christopher Rydell's performance uh, is is an interesting one. To yeah. say the least. I I never really quite understand what his story is because if you look at standard giallos, right, your standard giallo is that. Something happens to a character, they have a repressed memory of sorts, they team up with the, usually with a, with the cops, but are with an unlikely source and then band together to solve the mystery while this person repeats the crime over and over in their head until it, or if you're looking at Argento Giallos, that's how they play out, until they grasp the thing they could not grasp and then solve the crime forever. Uh, and it's usually someone you would least expect. So from that point of view, it ticks a lot of boxes, but at no point here am I ever entirely sure who the main character is in this movie. Is it yeah. Aja Argento, or you know, her character Aurora, or is it um, Aurora, uh, or is it David? Because we spend some time with David, and then we spend most of the time with David, but David didn't witness a crime. No. So he he really <laughs> struggles to piece together it. Um. And that's that's what kind of th it's a weird kind of take on it. It almost feels like an Americanized version, which it kind of is really an Americanized version of a Jalo, where they've kind of picked up certain elements, but not picked up all the elements. And if we're going to have a lead in this movie, it needs to be a man. Yeah, and I think also that because Asia Argento had to be in the film for whatever reason, she had to be in this film. Uh, she is too young to be, you know, like. I don't know, renting a car or yeah. renting a hotel room or, or she has to find someone to to kind of be with an adult because, oh, God, she's only supposed to be 16. And I think at the time of the filming, she actually was 16. Right, I'm, I'm just going to tone back my at last. I'm just going to bring it back to, hey, there she goes, Aja, looking good. Hey, for she's, old, she's old now. Yes, yeah, that's what you were talking about. I get it. I know so that's exactly she, what I was talking about. I'm holding out till she's like in her seventies. That's when I'm like, yeah, baby. So unless she looks like Dario Argento, 
That that's what I mean. Oh, right, that's, that's what I thought you meant. Obviously, <laughs> my wife calls her banana boobs, but <laughs> we'll talk about that later. So, uh, <laughs> she needed to have this adult uh, kind of running around with her. Um, I do like Christopher Rydell. I have never seen him in anything else that I can he, think of. I he's got scanned a, through. He's got a face for like he has that American nineties sitcom face. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, that's probably what I thought. audition for Friends. Yeah, he kind of—he looks like he could be in Friends. <laughs> he could be like Monica's better half for like two seasons. There you go. Like, he, he has that look about him, and he's actually not a bad actor. I, I, I like kind, him. I kind of get confused as to like at a point in this movie they start portraying him as you know as slightly damaged as well mentally yes. uh, and that's when it gets like really weird because then I'm like because then you start thinking well this is an Argento movie is this all in his head does he imagine certain things is he the killer which you know once again would not be the biggest surprise no. in a movie like this and you really start to wonder where that whole side of things is coming from but I think I think like you say I think he's uh, as lead men go in Argento movies you could do a whole hell of a lot worse <laughs> totally totally no he's he's good i mean he's just as bewildered by this fucking script as we are so yep. <laughs> of course he's lost uh no and there's uh, there's just such a star power here with piper laurie and frederick forrest mm-hmm. um frederick forrest is this <laughs> speaking of freud uh, he's this psychoanalyst who's been working with aura at this this place called the faraday institute yeah and I mean, Frederick Forrest, I think, is one of the most underrated actors in terms of this might be the most eccentric person that's ever been captured on film. <laughs> like, like you know how, like, someone obviously weird, like, uh, I don't know, speaking of Lynch, you know, you got... He's, like, he's very much like Dr. Jacoby, but a sinister yeah, he's, Dr. He's, Jacoby. Good call, good call. And so... You have an obviously eccentric on purpose. Then you have Frederick Forrest, who I think really is just that strange. I mean, yeah. is he playing himself here? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so it's uh, you, you've got a an amateur kind of coming into acting with a, a Asia. I always say Asia by accident. Christopher <laughs> Rydell is like Mr. 90s, looks like a soap star. And then you've got like Piper Laurie on freaking fire the whole oh, movie yeah. with that the accent alone is nuts. Yeah, and that the smoldering eyes. I mean, the eyes are so intense in every single scene. It's like eyes that would cut through ice. You got Brad Dorif yelling about shit. A weird bit of casting for this movie. I understand. Totally. I understand that at the time he was doing a lot. He still does a lot of genre stuff. He was doing a lot of genre stuff. To me, his introduction as a character, as a red herring, is genius. But this is the sort of thing you would see, like when you see things like um, Psycho or Scream, the big named actors from genre anyway, or the big named people die at the start. And to introduce his character about halfway through it, have very little screen time at all, and give him one of the most ridiculous deaths. (laughs) That chroma key severed head? What the fuck? There's a... There's... (laughs) There's a kind of disconnect in this movie as to how the body works, right? Um, 
which I think they never even bother to try and address. They make the mistake once in this movie and just roll with it, really. Um, The vocal cords are technically still intact from where the heads have been separated. So yes, yes, the ability to make noise is still there. However, you cannot make noise without expelling air, which you need lungs for. What? Yeah, you need lungs is, for that. Is that what they're for? That's what they're there for. It's. For, I thought those were boobies. They're, they they kind of look like boobies. Um, like grandma boobies, because they're all like long and flat and kind of saggy. Mm. But... Mm, I mean, gross. Yeah, definitely. That's what I thought. Oldies. Yeah. Uh, but, like, <laughs> once a head is separated from a body, it doesn't make noise. It can't make noise. It's impossible for it to make noise. Unless air is being passed through it, which, if it was over maybe a steam grate or something, yeah, I could kind of see a... Uh, but it's not going to then be... Hey, dude, oh, you <laughs> cut my head off. <laughs> By the way, this steam grate is hot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, but they just go for it. They just go for it. So we get, a, we get like, maybe two different heads kind of speaking. We get his one and a, like some gloriously horrible early CGI falling down a tunnel um, or a, a lift shaft or elevator shaft kind of going ah, which maybe does work maybe 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 the air of maybe the air resistance blown through oh my god Duncan no just have I legitimized that have, have I think I, have you've I... lost your fucking mind maybe, maybe. I'm thinking, you. you know what we need to do Mythbusters Dear, Mythbusters, <laughs> dear Mythbusters, can you sever a human head and drop it down a tunnel to see if this works? I'll I think that could happen. They, they could do it to me. It's for science. <laughs> it's science, bitch. Um, so yeah, that doesn't make any sense, right? But Brad Dourif is on screen for so little time. Um, it would have taken longer to make that prosthetic head cast of him in Savini's <laughs> lab than it would be for the performance time of Dourif on screen here. <clears throat> Uh, one of the things I learned today in the trivia, as I was, uh, you know, scrolling with the homies through IMDb, <laughs> I learned that Tom Savini was supposed to have a cameo at the beginning of the film, and through an accident, he was going to have his head cut off, and oh. that was going to set off the killer's modus operandi. The killer would see this severed head, and that would inspire them to go on a killing spree, uh-huh. which blew my mind. Because had they filmed that, had they added that to this freaking movie, that would have added it to the stupid-ass bullshit that caused the killer in pieces to go crazy. Yep. And start killing people. Yep, that smash glass. Amazing. I just love um, this idea of or NPCs. Like, the, it was the fact that someone smashed through plate glass which resembled a mirror that triggered this memory but just every time in his life where someone dropped a glass and it smashed and it almost triggered it he was like ah, getting the gloves out about to start a, about to start his jigsaw he's like no 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 it's just a glass it's just no no that's fine you know that's that's fine that's and no i mean i didn't get that that was what was supposed to have happened in pieces <laughs> until like i read someone else's review i'd seen the film two or three times and they explained in the review that that opening shot where the girl crashes into the glass, that was supposed to trigger the killer. Yeah. I had no clue. And I was trying to explain that to my friend while he was seeing it for the first time. He's like, wait, how do you know that? I'm like, because I read someone else <laughs> interpreting it that way. And he's like, you could never get that. 
Yeah, you can. You can like, and most and most so and, clumsy. And most of the the well put together Jally movies, there is a correlation. Something triggers off. Some something triggers off from childhood, childhood trauma. I mean, you look at something like Deep Red. It's even though Deep Red is bananas, it you know it makes sense kind of when you go back over it. Um, and this would kind of copy pieces. And it would, I, I don't actually think the thing about it is you don't really. You don't. I. I think almost trying to give this movie some sort of anchor to say this is what triggers off the mother. Like when the story's finally described in this one, you know, when we 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 explain it out. Essentially, the mother has went on a killing spree against the staff that worked in the hospital that, you know, that had the the bad surgeon who delivered her child and accidentally killed, uh, killed the head off of the infant. Which I'm just gonna say. I'm not a doctor, right? I am not a doctor. <laughs> I would imagine it is quite difficult when delivering a child to sever its head off. Yep. <laughs> just, I am just saying, I don't think that's something you can like do easily uh, or clumsily. I think it's like you... Oh my God. I, but they, they try and link it to there's this horrible power outage caused by a thunderstorm and this, this led him to decapitate an infant, a newborn infant's head right off. Right, whatever, right? Like, we put that to the side, and, you know, the the events, as being the way they are, like, something triggers off, whether it's this bad thunderstorm or whatever, triggers off Piper Laurie to, to murder her husband and then go on this monumental killing spree of killing off all the people who worked for this hospital at that time, and people that just happened to anyone. She's just on, she's, she's a mad woman. She's going around yep. killing them all, Right. That's enough for me in this movie. Like, Savini maybe could have put a bit in earlier, all the rest. I do not think putting that in there would make the narrative any more sensible in this movie. I think you eventually just have to run with it and accept yeah. that Argento do what Argento do. <laughs> that is a wise statement. I like that. I got it tattooed on my chest yesterday. Mm. Still a bit stingy. Still a bit stingy. But, um, yeah, so I, I think, like, Brad Dourif's, like, appearance in this one, I mean, anytime I see Brad Dourif, I'm happy. So, like, when you, when you get him peddling drugs on the street corner uh, and getting confronted by, by David uh, and him just doing one of those patented bad, uh, kind of Brad Dourif shouty freak-out things just for, like, ten seconds, I'm like that. You have served your purpose here, sir. Right, if they want to kill you now, I can talk. But the way they kill him is fucking insane. But it's the, it's the, I think it's the elevator shaft. I think I don't think that was in the the original script. And I think he got flashbacks to Cat and Nine Tails or something. Um, yeah, like, totally. I need to put this back. I need to have an elevator shaft in this movie. So <laughs> I mean, that works well, kinda. Um, the gore's not. They, they do not spare the gore in this movie. They really go for it. Um, the interesting thing as well about this movie is the the use of a little kid who... <laughs> it's never really... It's a weird kind of framing device for all... He comes back at certain parts of the show, um, uh, of the movie, and he's there as the next-door neighbour to the killer... Yeah, and he has a fascination with a lizard or a chameleon, um, which is a lizard, so I'm fine with that. Um, and yeah, kinda. He's, he breaks into the house at some point and finds the killing device. 
uh, the you know the Nusamatic, and yeah, and then ultimately he is totally traumatized at the end of this movie, like clearly to become some sort of future killer, um, and Argento's trauma too, this time more traumier, uh, coming mm. in twenty twenty one. Uh, with this little kid as an adult, and we'll get flashbacks. That's just all speculation and rumor. But it's, that that bit that bit seems weird to me. That that bit seems weird to me that we keep flashing between because it's almost like watching two entirely different movies. Oh yeah, the kid is like this weird like fever dream. Like like the movie uh, like has a cold, and the movie's working too hard, mm-hmm. and so the the cold kind of develops in this really bad fever, and the visions in this film's fever are this weird ass kid and his uh he's just like argento as was as a child he loves to catch butterflies i don't know if that's true but <laughs> it's really strange and it, it lends your it lends itself it lends to the the story itself like this really really bent odd thing like uh, say what you will about Argento's late period, you know, like uh, uh, opera on, there's always some tangent that you can't really explain yeah. in any rational sense, and this is definitely nonsense, you know and I love the kid stuff, because you know, when I was a kid watching horror movies, I always loved when there was a kid I was like, oh, because I was such a sucker for the kid character when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I relate to that <laughs> <laughs> and obviously I didn't see this until I was a, teen- a teenager, but, you know, it, it, this just seems like such an odd choice. And maybe there's, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the word. It's kind of like um, Argento was throwing everything at the wall and see what stuck with this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything. You know, he's. Uh, no, this is a criticism people level at this film. And I'm sure we'll talk about this with uh, Sleepless. Is that he's recycling his old ideas? Yeah, it's like he's he's putting twists. He's kind of tangentially minor, like kind of minor changes are made to things we have seen him do before. It's, it yeah. almost kind of feels like like the a first attempt at a greatest hits album. You know exactly. What I mean? uh, you know, yeah. like, where, where you're picking songs, you're picking things that you think people want to see, and where I would say, I would say that Sleepless is where he gets the the right balance of what people want to see with some more of the new material. It's like when Metallica go on tour, or the Stones, <laughs> who I mentioned earlier on. I mean, they may play one or two new songs, but for the rest of the show, it's stuff you know. You know what I mean? It's, it's that familiarity you get with, with that, that kind of comfortable warm blanket you get of sitting down to watch something that you know inside out. You yeah. know what's going to come. You you, you expect it. Um, trauma kind of feels like he is adding elements but still trying to be inventive in a way which never really pays off because the stuff he's trying to be inventive with don't really amount to anything. So what you're left with is this kind of weird topping uh, which has been added to something which is very much an Argento highlight reel. Um, we've already mentioned some of the things that are in here which are right from the, the Argento playbook. Um, 
It's, it's very strange. It's very, very strange. I think that's if we're if we're now segueing into things that don't necessarily work all that well in this movie. <laughs> I think that's I think that's one of my biggest gripes is the movie almost suffers an identity crisis as to what it actually wants to be. It doesn't really know whether it wants to be like the gore elevates it to a horror movie by far. You know what I mean? And the the, the kind of elements of this serial killer murderer is definitely in those realms. But in the background to this one, we have this idea of, you know, this kind of, mi- you know, there's a mystery going on and we need to crack, crack, solve the clues using, you know, a hypnosis by a you know, psychiatrist and all this, which kind of then starts to peel it towards, like, it kind of peels it away from the elements that make, I'm not saying that Jallos have never had that kind of idea of hypnosis, they've certainly been in there. But yeah, of course. It kind of loses its... Kind of loses its weirdness, if that's a if you can use that as a criticism, it becomes a bit paint by numbers. And one of the enduring qualities about watching any Jallo is that, regardless how nonsensical it is, you always have those fantastic Argento shots. Yeah. And you have a very strong visual eye. I don't necessarily think Trauma has the best visual eye of Argento's later work. It, it does at times feel a bit. A bit Hollywood, actually, in terms of mm. this is how you arrange a shot, and there'll be nothing crazy about how this shot is arranged. Um, and it almost feels it feels like a bit of a sterile shot movie, even though some of the color schemes are, are are very beautiful. There's there's nothing zippy, and you know there's no panache here, which Argento always gives you, regardless if the movie fucking sucks and the acting is wooden as shit. There is always one shot in an Argento movie where you're like that. This is the money maker right here. This is Argento spent months crafting this. The camera will fly here and it'll do this and all that. This. There just doesn't feel like there's a whole lot. There's some really cool setups, but there doesn't feel like there's there's no money shot in this movie, and it kind of it kind of frustrates. Kind of leaves me with blue balls. Hmm. Uh, I disagree with you there. Go for it. Uh, I think this movie's uh, aspect ratio. It is really strange. Uh, the cinematographer, uh, Raffaele Mertes, I'm not super familiar with him, but one of the things that really struck me with this viewing was his aspect ratio is so wide, yeah. but yet claustrophobic. Like things seem to um, hone in on the close the close ups with people. And then the edges seem a little blurred out, and it's really, really uh, – you don't know what's coming around the corner from moment to moment. But I do agree with you that there's a lot of shit in this movie that is obviously second unit. <laughs> like stuff that all of a sudden all of that style that this dude brings just is gone. And you're like, oh, no, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> like those suburban shots, like suburba shots, suburba, suburba, <laughs> and whatever that meant. And, and so I, I agree with you just a little bit. But I think, oh, like as far as the fluid camera work and especially the freaking composition is really solid and really uh, creepily interesting mm. through most of the it's like the the color scheme for the suburban shots is just a completely different movie. There's no tan, tan or you know, you white mean? and tan. Yes, it's very 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 strange. And wh- whether or not that's being used deliberately 
to differentiate the kind of traumatic scenes or the the you know the, the this idea of of what the characters are going through compared to the serene lifestyle of of downtown suburbia i don't know but um yeah it's as a weird one it's a it's a weird one i i mean argento's movies even on their even the worst ones even something like a dracula 3d is still there's still things you can talk about in them as you know there's never a point where you're like this, this movie doesn't even merit conversation and trauma on its worst days with its worst scenes still has <laughs> elements which make it stand out amongst oh, yeah. what came out in 1993 which is a really strong year for horror actually there's a ton of like big big movies um, even though we were calling them something slightly different back then, they weren't horror movies or psychological thrillers. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it, it still it still shows a, a, a kind of an element of you know Argent always come across to the the the, the, the hub of the movie world, um, but he's not he's, he's not been he's not sold out. You know, I mean, he's he's come across, and this is. This is him trying to incorporate his his movie making and their movie making, and I think it kind of feels like uh, almost kind of feels like a, a kind of a filmmaker with with a lot of ideas, who's maybe almost like a first attempt. You see this with a lot of horror uh, mm. directors who come out; they have all these ideas and all these influences, and they want to put them in one film, and it kind of loses its its central through line. And yeah. that's how trauma kind of feels for me. So, yeah. No, it, well, you know, I think a lot of the recycling, too, is, hey, America, it's Dario Argento. <laughs> Here I am. This is what you get from me. And if it's not just lazy throwing the stuff in the screenplay because it's something he's done before, and really think might have it might have been him showing off to the Americans and trying to make this huge splash, this crazy-ass movie didn't work he mm-hmm. quickly turned tail and went right back to Italy yeah yeah I uh, mean this this uh, <laughs> this um, you know didn't didn't enti- well let's put it this way he he kind of meanders um, after after this this movie comes out he does let's be honest not the greatest stuff in the world the Stendhal syndrome is interesting it's not one that i love i'm afraid i i it goes against my better judgment uh for multiple reasons but i love the stendhal syndrome i think that um i am one of those people i am adamant about i hate movies with rape scenes i hate rape scenes hate them hate them hate them that movie at least the rape scenes are they're they're handled without any sexiness they're handled without anything except brutal, yeah. horrible reality, and you see what those things cause. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not for titillation's sake. Uh, they are the least erotic rape scenes because that's one of the problems I have with you know grindhouse cinema of the '70s. It's like, oh man, we got to fill this like 15 minutes of movie. Let's just have a long ass rape scene. Yeah, yeah. And I- sometimes the director meant something by it, and usually they didn't. Yeah, usually so, it's a, a good opportunity to get some boobies on the screen. I think that's I think Stendhal syndrome uh, is is pretty damn good. W- the real meat and potatoes of Argento's career, obviously, is Phantom of the Opera. I, mean, <laughs> oh, I don't know what like someone had something over him. Holy! Sh- well, hey, him adapting famous stories—that's worked out 
twice really great. Twice. Dracula 3D. Yes. But I've always said about Argento, um, one of my favorite things about Argento as a filmmaker is just when you think, right, this is (laughs) the guy should be written off. Oh my God. What was that? There's a killer in my house. Was that a cat? (laughs) That was a human being. That was my wife. Oh, yeah. Just, just ignore it. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> just, just when you think things are at their worst, um, you know, like maybe this guy's lost his mojo, he comes back swinging. I, I mean, I've always thought that about him, and that yeah. that perfectly segues us to our next movie because the the Phantom of the Opera is a is a bad movie. I try to like it so hard, and like I I at least can laugh at it. Yeah, but it is infuriating. (laughs) Yeah, and then he kind of goes back to the drum board, comes back, and boy, does this guy come back swinging! Uh, Right, anything else you want to say about um, trauma before we give it a grade? Yeah, it, it absolutely holds up for me after all these years. Uh, I'm sure there's tinges of nostalgia to it, uh, but I love the frickin' Pino Donaggio now. Um, I've come around to him. Love Piper Laurie and Frederick Forrest. The seance sequence is one of my favorite seances of all time. It's like my favorite scenes in horror movies are seances. Um, this is the movie that taught me about relationships. Oh. Uh, you know, this is the movie that taught me about psychotropic berries. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah this this is great stuff I think people should give this one another chance if they didn't like it the first time um, it is just weird I mean it, it, it's even beyond like being weird on purpose it is now someone who's like hey Hollywood here I am check me out and they're so damaged psychologically like Dario Argento likely is yeah not saying definitely, um, likely is that this is the most normal thing they could do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> I think uh, I like a lot of what you said. I, I think it does actually like for for all the, the the things I class as flaws against this movie. There's a whole lot of really interesting stuff. Um, a scene that we didn't talk about was just popped into my mind there, like when your wife shouted out in the background uh, she recreated one of my favourite like laugh out loud moments in this movie so even David goes back in and finds the letter to say that she's went back with her mother yes and he looks out uh, no <laughs> it's like this huge oh, no uh, it's so good so amazing <laughs> poor so, Christopher Rydell so amazing uh, yeah I think there's there's a whole lot of talking points for this movie it does cover a lot of Argento's old stuff but I think there's it showed there was still life left in the old dog um, oh. it has some bitching practical effects and a, one of the coolest weapons ever uh, as pertains to grades it's Netflix over here so we do um one is hated it, two is didn't like it, three is liked it, four is really liked it, and five is loved it. I'm coming in as a 3.5 five for this one. It isn't really a really like for me, but it's definitely above a like. Uh, and one that, like Mitch said, if you've never checked this one out, if this is a 
this is one of those ones that is a black black area for you when it comes to the old Argento back catalogue. It is worth checking out for sure. And if you've not seen it in a while, go back and revisit it. Definitely. I think there's there are bits in here that will leave you scratching your heads, but there are other bits which are infinitely <laughs> enjoyable. Uh, what about yourself? What grade do you give this one? Oh, it's it's an easy four for me, uh, with a, with a edging towards a four point five because of nostalgia's sake. But uh, yeah, this is absolutely one that I really, really, I, I can't wait to watch it again. Good times. Boom! Right, we're going to take our second break of the show. You're going to hear promos for shows that we love. You're also going to hear the promo for our second and final movie review. It's Sleepless from two thousand and one. When we return, we're discussing that movie right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture? without ever having to use obscenities. Then you've got the wrong f***ing show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.krugernation.com Oh, good God! A butthole casserole! Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Danny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Hail Ming. Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the Visua screen? Crawl? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Hell-Ming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Hell-Ming. Breaking two? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance? <laughs> <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's Flash Dance. <laughs> like these are not accidental. They're premeditated. He likes to hurt. He likes to hurt human beings. His is not an illness you can cure. 
fingerprints and nothing to do with DNA on. How are you going to catch him? Welcome back, so it's movie number two. This is the second and final movie review of episode 105 of the podcast Under the Stairs and we're closing out our Argento double bill by looking at Sleepless from 2001. This movie, oh, screenplay kind of co-written by Argento and other folks. Uh, the movie stars uh, no. uh, Max von Sydow, Stefano Dionzi, mm. uh, Oh God! There's just people want me to read these names. I'm not doing it. Not doing it. Not, <laughs> not doing it. Not doing it. I'm 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 calling quits on that right now. Uh, synopsis for this one: An elderly and retired police detective and a young amateur sleuth team up to find a serial killer whom has resumed the killing spree in Turin, Italy, after a 17-year hiatus. So this one. Instantly, you read that synopsis, you're like, this is a giallo. This is Argento giallo. Right? Oh, yeah. Once again, it's that warm blanket you put on, you get in, you're <laughs> like that. Let's let's do this. Let's hope that Argento does not fuck this up. And I I have went on I've went on record many times to say that of the, the, the kind of, from 1990 onward, output of Argento, Sleepless to me is the, is the one that I say watch Sleepless. You know, if you if you are coming off the, the 80s stuff and you've maybe been burned by one or two of the, the 90s Argento, you don't really want to go and check out anything the director has done since. Sleepless is always the one I'm like that. No, go back to basics here. Go back to... Because that's what Sleepless feels to me. Sleepless feels like a director that is like, right, what, what do I do <laughs> about... You know, equally as good as, you know, some of the best names in, you know, Jalo cinema or this particular genre style of cinema. I do these sorts of stories. I'm going to do this story. It kind of feels like an upscaled, and at the same time, unfortunately, because of when it came out and the budget constraints against this one, mm-hmm. it feels like an upscaled attempt at trying to do Deep Red. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it has a lot of Deep Red in this movie. And whilst it isn't as good as Deep Red, um, and a few things are, let's be honest, um, it's, it is something which I would say delivers on so many levels exactly what you want from Dario Argento in speeds without feeling overly repetitive. Um, so the story in this one. There, there is a. We meet uh, Max von Sydow as a, a police detective, uh, or about to become chief, uh, called Morietti, uh, which makes me laugh because there's now a beer out in the UK, an Italian beer called Morietti, which right. is so lovely, and that's what makes me think of every time I'm like, I just imagine Max von Sydow on the label now, and not that guy in Lederhosen. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so um, he arrives at a, a rather grisly murder scene. The the son of the woman murdered by a musical instrument is the only witness, but he didn't see much. Uh, he makes a promise that he will never give up on this case, even he will get, he will spend the rest of his life essentially trying to solve it. We then jump forward, and it appears that 
the serial killer is either continuing his reign of terror or a new killer is, is kind of taking a page out of his book, which is funny and punny at the same time when it relates <laughs> to what happens in this story. And um, there's a series of killings start happening again. And our detective comes out of retirement with the now grown-up version of the boy whose mother died in front of him to try and solve the mystery of the dwarf killings, is what they're called. Um, so much to love about this movie. Richard, kick us off. Man, um, yeah, coming back from his wretched failure of Phantom of the Opera, he's like, fine, I'll go back to Gialli. Just like he ran away from America after trauma, he ran back to Gialli, and this is, man, return to form does not even do it justice. Um, Is this movie dumb as balls? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, But it's so, like... Um, I guess it's so drunk that it, it's very confident. Like it feels like this movie is much like uh, the guy who drinks his, drinks his, the guy who drinks out of boxes of wine. Uh, Leona later, <laughs> this movie's had about ten boxes of wine. Oh yeah, this is this is me. This is me on a night out after a few pints, saying, <laughs> "Of course I can do a handstand." You want to see? You don't think I can do a handstand? Oh, what's up the ante? I'll do a handstand. <laughs> Perched on this balcony. I'll do that. I'll do this shit. And uh, then the but, preceding month I'm spent in a all over body plaster cast. Well, you weren't really talking to anybody. You were just lying in the gutter mumbling. <laughs> I'm saying it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, this, but this is totally, I wrote in my notes that this is Tenebre 2, the revenge. Uh, this is, you know, it's so much like trauma that Argento is like, okay, you're right. Not only do I do thrillers really well, but I can do the same movie I've done before really well. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, and I don't fault that with either Trauma or Sleepless. Um, I, I feel like Argento's always been about the younger generation. He's always tried to appeal to, I mean, look how much he was into his daughter in oh, Trauma. No. Oh, uh, no. No, he likes young people, so of course he's going to target that audience and he's going to assume that they haven't seen his old films or yeah. that people who love his films just want to see the same thing over and over over and over again. And uh, that's part of what drives this. I mean, you've got so many things from Tenebra in this and so many things from Deep Red that it's it's ridiculous. But it, it really is. <laughs> casting. I mean, even uh, Gabrielle uh, Lavia shows up. Uh-huh. Um, I stupidly didn't realize it was him. After this is like my fifth viewing, sixth viewing, <laughs> tenth viewing. I don't even know how many times I've seen this movie. But I'm watching it, and the credits say Gabrielle Lavia. And I'm like, what? The dude from Deep Red and Zader? Where is he in yeah. this? He's the freaking dad. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> as, as, it's one of those ones that when, when the penny oh. drops now, and you're like, no. 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 But he's got a beard now. He looks totally different. No, he yeah, doesn't I, look bad. He's a guy who looks master of disguise. <laughs> Clever. <Lavia> is. <laughs> you, you, you like, you kind of like, you, we, we mentioned like, it's very difficult to, I think, to speak about this movie. It, you know, it'd be funny because if this movie was done by a different director, we would be saying how much this director had ripped off Dario and Argento. <laughs> We'd really be saying, you know, has this guy only ever seen Argento's giallos? Um, and 
we don't do that here, but I think we we all openly admit, and I think you have to admit that that's you know this is our gentle back to basics, back to things he has enjoyed. I always get this idea that he's a guy who is enjoyed by the craft of movie making and not necessarily anything else. Um, and as a result, what really fascinates him is the idea of setting up certain shots and you know really capturing certain scenes of terror like one shots of terror i don't i think there's very few directors in the history of cinema do it as good as argento but i think that he very much like many people that have ideas or or do anything artistic the when they find themselves being critically less well received <laughs> um, they start to look at what it was that made other movies better received and then try and build on them and that's what Sleepless it is dumb as a bag of rocks and there's no getting around this one the story is barely a story um, oh, but what it is, is is a very cool well, I mean like there's so many like if we tick off the elements which feel like other things in here. Max von Sydow's character feels like the blind uh, puzzle solver from Cat and Nine Tales. Yeah. Um, the killer in this movie owes a lot to the, the, the killer in Deep Red and that we, we have this idea of nursery rhymes and having to track back through books in a weird old creepy house. Um, so that kind of feels like being read. The the idea of the, the actual traumatic event itself is very much like Tenebrae. So we, we have that side of things covered as well. So it is like he's doing, he's like, these are like, three of my really, really, really successful movies that you all love, people, so let's see what happens when I, I, I mesh them all together, blend that smoothie up and, you know, put it down in front of you. What I kind of love about this movie is how fucking aggressive it is. Oh, like, man. right from the start. like the, yeah. the, And the, the practical gore effects in this movie, we can talk about some of the dodgy CGI later, but the practical gore effects in this movie are fucking <sighs> tremendous. That first what death... The the death of the, the mother with the English horn is what they call it. When we see how cut up her face is, and then we see the effect of the, the instrument itself being placed in the mouth and wiggled about, creating this kind of slashed, almost itchy the killer sort of face design. Yeah. It's incredible. It looks so realistic, and it's an effect that holds up. Yeah, if that doesn't you know, affect you, it is so... I mean, it just gets to me every time. It is so... Uh, uncomfortable to look at and you imagine that a child is trapped witnessing this happening to his mother it's like oh, that'll mess you up yeah just a Ooh. tad Jeez. um the, 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 we we the, you know that we have a killing here where a prostitute um which is absolutely fucking hilarious i love this um so our, our, our prostitute turns up to have a uh, turns up to have sex with our, our john who we don't know what he asked her to do, but oh, whatever it is, she is offended. It probably involves get... pudding. <laughs> she, she runs her back against the wall, full bush out, uh, and headlights on, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, and she gets her flick knife out, flick knife, out, flick knife, can't say that, out to threaten this guy without actually flicking the knife, which is hilarious. <laughs> She just has the handle. She's like, don't you, you, you sickle, don't come near me. And this guy just like produces a huge wad of money. And she's like, well, of course, if you're just going to. Oh, 
You put it like that. And then this guy takes some pills and goes to sleep. So she has done nothing and collected the money. Hell yeah. Which is weird. Uh, but um, her death on the train is incredible. I love this scene. This is like, to me, and this is like the first 15 minutes of this movie. Yep. We have this epic, like, elaborate death scene on a train where we have our, our damsel in distress hiding in, in areas of a train which you see but never think that would be a good place yeah. to hide from a killer. Um, and then when we think she's almost going to make it, she gets her fingers chopped off <laughs> viciously and brutally. I love that scene. Mm. And then we get this incredible scene. It's the one that got used for the, the Arrow um, DVD graphic oh, over yeah. in the UK of her up against the the window on the train, like bloody hands everywhere, yes, just yes. screaming and writhing. It's such a beautiful shot. I'm like, so just glad in, you brought that up because... It's Argento through and through, you know what Totally. I mean? Arrow video is amazing because um, I don't know if people at home know this, Look up the original Italian poster yeah. for Sleepless, Non Ho Sono. It is the most boring, ugly piece of shit film <laughs> poster I have ever seen. It is the moon, and then the title, and then some eyes, presumably uh, Gloria, Chiara Caselli's eyes. And then at the bottom, it's got the credits. Yeah. It's so dumb that. When I saw the freaking artwork on that Arrow DVD, I ordered it immediately. Just for yeah. the freaking art. Because they know that that is one of Argento's signature scenes. Mm-hmm. Is that scene on the train. It's not the freaking... I don't know, is, is this a werewolf movie poster? <laughs> is this, um, uh, you know, like... Uh, just... What the hell is was going on with that poster? It is wretched as it's really there's nothing to it and I, I think that's what's the worrying thing about this one is when you have a movie which is so like see if i rented this movie on the basis of that cover i would be you know just a casual <laughs> cinema viewer i would be mortified about what i saw because it does not predict uh, predict or uh, depict anything in this movie at all um, except there is a, there is indeed one scene where we can see a woman's eyes um, mm-hmm, that's all it has in common but yeah I think that that scene is like fucking wonderful and um, so so like just like rock star Argento status this is what Argento does almost better than anyone we then carry that over into a death that comes less than three minutes later which is equally as brutal. And I know that sometimes Argento has been levelled with this, you know, he's a woman hater, um, because most of the deaths in his movies to women are very much over the top. Yeah. And, right, maybe he is. I don't think he is. <laughs> uh, people can argue, much smarter people can argue that to their heart's consent. The next woman gets her head smashed off a steering wheel and then brutally murdered... And then that starts the the, the 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 many deaths in this movie where people just get punched and fucked up. There's a scene <laughs> in this movie where a woman fights back. She bites the thumb of the, the killer. Oh, man. Um, a, a, a bite that seems to go on forever, by the way. It's, it's hilarious. It's the longest bite in cinema <laughs> history. And in return, and I would love to see how they did this practical effect because it looks like to me that a woman is having her head smashed off a tile wall. Yeah. 
it is impact unreal softened at all and then we see the graphic images of teeth falling on the ground with blood and they just keep the this the sound effects in this movie are not great. They're like the sound effects have been supplied by Street Fighter. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all like, <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, it's straight up fatality. It is so <laughs> funny. Like but this movie has a weird up. censorship history. I don't know if people know this. When I was desperate to find this film when it came out on video over here, this was in when I was fired up about Italian horror again. This was like. The, the renaissance for Richard, the Richard Sance. Which Richard sounds, Sons, I love that. It sounds like Richard Sauce, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, no, it's even better. I bought this DVD, and it is so cut. It is shamelessly censored. So when the killer goes to smash the woman's face, it just, the scene ends. You're All like, right. did, did she die? I don't even know what happened. <laughs> like, so many scenes are cut. What I found out, the weird thing is... The VHS tape was freaking like uncut. Uh-huh. It was the weirdest thing ever. So like, if you got the VHS tape from the same store, you would see all of the killings. If you got the DVD, you'd get the cut version. So of That's course, weird. I had the tape and I'd converted it to DVD-R because I'm a freaking nerd. And I loved ha- having that in the house was that that VHS tape it was uh, it was my little treasure there now it's probably in a freaking <laughs> landfill somewhere but that's where all treasures go to that is where all our treasures go to um, <laughs> is the the, the the graveyard of treasure do you guys call it uh, landfills in uh, uh, Scotland uh, yes okay, good. that translates <laughs> yeah it does, taught it does. us those words yeah, but sometimes we taught you words and you use them wrong um, and spell them wrong. Like uh, the Richard Sauce? <laughs> the Richard Sauce, that's right. Um, so I think I'm correct in saying, moving slightly off uh, here, um, I am almost 100% correct in saying that this is currently going through a Blu-ray restoration by an American distributor. Good. I can't remember. I did post about it, but I can't remember. I want to say it's Vinegar Syndrome, but I don't think it is. And it's definitely not Synapse. So maybe one of the new kids on the block are putting it out. But I, I very much... Because you can't get the Arrow one anymore. Um, uh. Uh, the Arrow one is now... It's been discontinued out of print. Um, which is it's a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a shame because totally. the artwork is, in fact, fucking bitching. It comes um, with the poster, too. It does come with the poster. That is or correct. Back when did. they did that. Not dead, yeah, it doesn't anymore. Uh, another thing to celebrate this movie for is Goblin's back. Uh, and the, the the score on this one is it's it's kind of once again slightly operatic, but then you get that bitch and heavy guitar that comes out. So bombastic, like I love it. It's kind of like it's kind of like Goblin doing a. Carpenter's Mouse of Madness score. Yes, <laughs> it's totally what it feels like. You're like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? Love it. I think it's. I think it's great. Adds to the movie as well. Once again, it, it kind of cements that this is our gentle back doing what he is known for, bringing back the dream team, so to speak. The story itself. There's nothing. The reason I'm not going into too much of it here is like because I genuinely actually think people if you've never seen Sleepless and this is a woefully underseen movie 
I can't believe how many people have not seen Sleepless. Oh, uh, this is the one to go out and check. This is like this is the one that will give you the stuff that from your Argento tick box that you have. Well, all the things you want, they're all in here, pretty much. Um, I love this idea as well that, you know, he, he just he just decides that like, the times have changed, but Argento might not have. So, where you're saying it's, it gets heavily edited and heavily edited and heavily cut down and it's so over the top of the gore and all the rest, and where maybe some directors are shining away from that, Argento will never shine away from that. He's, you know, at this, at this point in his career, he's like... I'm just going to continue doing it, and I love this idea as well of when it comes out. I mean, if we're looking at like cinematically speaking, we jump from if we're looking at what's coming out about this time, we've just passed the kind of the the new slasher boom, and we're now moving into everyone's talking about J horror. Yeah, and Argento's still doing Jalo. You know what I mean? He's just like this is this is the song that I dance to, and you either get up and dance with me, or you sit down and shut up. Um, and that works it works really well I did mention there's some dodgy CGI in here there's about one or two scenes of dodgy CGI the worst one is the how they dispatch the killer at the end and it, I don't really know what is going on with this because the police shoot the killer first through the I think it's through the arm yeah and he spins around and then they shoot him in back, through the back of his head which makes his nose come off yes and it hits the screen of the camera which then cracks by the way if you hit pause are you fucking kidding me no I, well unless my <laughs> copies unless my copies fucked no um, it cracked oh and i was like God. no no i no! totally like that's just breaking the freaking that's the fifth wall <laughs> yeah it, it, it was it just seemed really strange maybe the effect of used on it because uh, it is a really bad CGI digital effect. Oh. Um, it looks it looks awful, but you know. And then the body falls over, and it's not great, and it's not aged well, which surprises me because once again, all the practical effects in this one for the time period, people that were using practical effects, not all of them have held up very well. But all the practical effects in this movie have held up fucking super great. Totally, Just, totally. they feel really uh, kind of fresh and. The colours, once again, it's vibrant. It's that hammer red blood that Argento loves to use. Mm. And totally fits in with it as well. Um, at, at his basic kind of meat and bones, the, the story is, uh, let's try and unravel a mystery which has existed for a while that's only recently started back up. And we work through it. Max von Sydow is good in it. I like him in it. I think he's he's got this quirky thing going on with his memory loss and he's... Yeah. He's parrot. Marcello! Yeah, he talks to Marcello all the way through it, who does not get a credit in this, which I'm uh, upset about. Bullshit. Bullshit. Those things uh, live forever. It's probably still alive. Yeah, just a, <laughs> just a bit. Still uh, acting. You're telling stories on set about that time that he worked with Argento. Uh, <laughs> um, and I think what we get as well is we get um, a, a very similar performance from the who we find out is the killer is a very similar sort of style performance as voice. the... What, sorry? That dude's voice. Yes, his voice, but it reminds me his, his, it goes right through me like like fingernails on a chalkboard um, but he reminds me very much of in Deep Red we have the the character who the, the kind of 
the character whose mother is the killer. Yes. Yes, the one who's the red herring in the movie. It's kind of like that, really. Is is once again, it's Argento kind of covering that base. He has a lot, a lot of how his character is unre- unraveled as the movie goes on. Kind of feels similar to that. <laughs> but I, I don't think there's any bad acting in this movie. There's some wooden acting, yeah. but I don't think there's any bad. Everyone fits the role they need to do and doesn't do any more than that. Yeah, I I'm just now warming up after 12 years or so of watching this movie, I'm just now getting around to liking uh, Stefano Dionisi, who's the main guy. Yeah. He's uh, our, our amateur detective working with Max von Sydow. Now, this guy, I used to really interpret him as just being terrible and wooden, uh-huh. boring, but I think that he might actually have a slightly like subtle performance that is completely derailed by his voice actor, who's yeah. like, Lorenzo, I can't believe I'm here. God, you know, like really a bad voice actor for him. And it's like the girl, uh, Gloria, she too, I used to not like her. That's Chiara Caselli. I thought, I'm like, she's gorgeous, utterly gorgeous. But I was like, man, she's terrible. But I think it's just another, like her character's a fucking weirdo. Yeah. I mean, look at her boyfriend. Ooh. <laughs> Our guy. boyfriend is one of these Fausto. strange, strange characters she who came around to me. <laughs> yeah, so you've like, got you're such a fucking creep, man. The villain who isn't dubbed. You've got Max von Sydow who isn't dubbed. Then you got everybody else around them is pretty much dubbed. And uh-huh. I, I'm sorry, but the voice acting on this one is just it's just shit. It really is. Is yeah. there's no? I, I don't know if that speaks to the time. You know, in the, in the past, maybe they did spend a bit more time trying to craft that right than this one. It's just a case of, let's just get it done. I mean, it's weird when you're, like, thinking wistfully about the 70s and 80s dubbing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, because it wasn't until the, the late 80s that the Italians tried to emulate um, American films by casting people that could speak English. It didn't yeah. matter if they were fucking actors or not. They would just yeah. cast people that could speak English, and then they retreated back to dubbing and by that point the the new generation of people dubbing films in the early 2000s they were not good like no I mean, look at anime dubbed from the early 2000s it was such a crapshoot yeah it's, it's like it's like the it's kind of almost like practical effects to an extent it's like a, an art that slowly starts to die out and then when people <laughs> try and recreate it you're either really 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 good at it yeah because you have a love for it or you it just it comes across as lazy um which it definitely does in this one it's one of those ones where like the dubbing in this movie for the most part would put you off watching it altogether mm-hmm. so if you have if you have the option to watch it in the original italian with subtitles please do that <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, ah, I, I can't say enough about the killer's voice when uh, who's who finally admits that they're the killer and they get into their uh, monologuing. The voice changes. Yeah, because the excitement of talking about the game that they're playing grows. It is unforgettable. Just yeah, woo, man. It's a great. It's a great addition to what is already kind of like a, a, a very creepy story and then you you add that you know why 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 has he been brought back why, why is he part of this game and then that voice comes out you're just like this is terrifying oh, just oh just awful awful i think um 
some of the things that I, I want to mention just before we, we tie this one up uh, in a nice bow um, is a nice bull rand still. <laughs> I like to tie one of those. Yeah. Around my cock. <laughs> I, I mean, what? <laughs> no, that, what? Who? Bull? Bull Ransdell. Um Yeah, the, the, the thing I would say about this movie is that this to me feels like, yeah, like we said before, is Argento kind of getting his groove back. Unfortunately, that groove doesn't really remain <laughs> for too long. Uh, and whilst I think there are certain elements in um, the card player which I think are interesting. Sure. It's, you know, it's, it's definitely him trying to experiment a game, which I think is good. I think it's always good to see directors try and push the boundaries. Um, I think I'm one of these ones that apologises, but kind of likes Mother of Tears, even though the CGI is a shirt. No, I, I, I really like that one too. Yeah, I, I don't like that at all. I think it's actually a pretty good movie. Um, and people laugh at me, but I don't care. Uh, Jallo, to me, should be mm. a great movie, and it's, it's an alright movie. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean, uh, and then Dracula 3D is a shit show. Oh uh, man, really is a bad, really is a bad movie. Really, really, <laughs> really is. And I don't know if we ever will see his Mr. Sandman movie that he's he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, who knows? And, who knows? And we're now in we're now in the world where Suspiria is shot um, and is coming out this year. So it's a, an absolute one hundred percent effort, which I am not against. Actually, I've I've said yeah. this many times. I just do not think you can remake that movie. So. My morbid curiosity just can't wait to see what they have tried to do with that movie and anything that has Tilda Swindon in it yeah. has me on board from the off. The worst thing that could come from the Suspiria remake is that it's not interesting to talk about. Like, yeah, if it's amazing, great. That's hey, awesome, you know. But if it's freaking wretched, that at least it'll be funny. I mean, Dracula 3D. There are parts of it I really think were on. But the parts yeah. that are bad are so bad. Yeah. And Giallo, it never hits its stride. Like, it has one or two good scenes, and you're like, oh, it's over? Oh, yeah. shit. And then, I, of course... It doesn't have it. I mean, I do not like do, like... do you like Hitchcock very much? I mean... I'm the same. Yep. When they say, this is the mecca of video poker, you're like, oh, yeah. boy. This is... 2005 this is the plot from 1995 this is insane yeah. <laughs> i mean I, I i do i would say that his work on um the stuff in masters of horror horror i think jennifer is great those are good yeah, i don't think I've, i don't think i've ever seen pelts it's not bad know. it's definitely they're both so eccentric he wanted to distance himself from the giallo as much as possible with those two i mm. think so they're really really just uh surprises from his uh, filmography, I think. Fantastic. Anything else you want to see about Sleepless before we give it a grade? Absolutely. Um, this movie has the freaking people that have been making Italian horror great from the heyday, um, even down to the uh, production designer. Uh, sorry, just a second. Um, I had his name right in front of me. Uh... The production designer is uh, Massimo Antonello Gilang, and he was on like City of the Living Dead and like just, you know, the last like 30 years of Italian horror before this came out. So there's a reason why this looks so good. This movie has 
subtle lighting that I didn't remember until I was watching it today. Like, it is beautiful in parts. And uh, when they have the flashback to 1983, weirdly enough, it's like they're flashing back to the set of Zader, the the, yeah. the basement where that killing takes place that uh, Giacomo witnessed is so, like, I'm getting, like, the Italian horror vibe, or as I call it, the vibe. <laughs> and I love that stuff. That's what I'm, I'm looking for constantly with these movies. Um, and then it's just hit after hit after hit with great scenes. Every every scene is trying to outdo the other as far as the brutality goes. And the only two criticisms that I just still to this day cannot get over. One is the last five minutes before the absolute ending. Uh-huh. Where they're running around looking for the last bit of evidence. It's just... Giacomo and Gloria running around and running around and a few th- important things happen, but it's so slow late in the game. I'm looking at the back of the DVD like 113 minutes? Seriously? This is almost yeah. two hours and we have this this like uh, spinning their wheels shit at the end. I could, could cut all that out. Uh, I guess the other thing that I, I complain about this movie a lot about is... I mentioned before um, the the bad dubbing. Yeah, I can't stress enough that uh, I used to always watch films in their original language. With it, with Italian films, especially their genre of cinema, there is no original language. They were shot with no sound on the set for years because they always did everything in post, and everything was meant for the English market anyway, and the American market anyway. So screw the freaking original language. Just watch it dubbed. It's great. And they used to really care about the dubbing. Like, there's that great um, issue of Video Watchdog where they interview uh, the director, uh, the vocal director for all that dubbing back in the day. And it's amazing how hard they worked. Mm-hmm. And that, these people ain't working hard on this one. Ooh. It's one of those reasons I love watching them. Um, like I, I was a huge fan of Barbarian Sim Studio. I think that yeah. movie's absolutely so incredible. Good. But I think it shows you. I think one of the reasons I really enjoy it is from that geeky perspective of the attention to detail of showing you how sims were done. Yeah, you know how serious people took their craft of doing the the you know the sim design for for Italian horror movies or Italian movies in general. I think yeah. it's I think it's pretty incredible to see that. Um, I very much like you praise this movie for all the reasons you praise it and the, the big gripe for me is I think it's just a tiny little bit too long and there are bits here that are obvious obviously could be shortened down <laughs> um, or, or bits that could be shaved off um, I think the dubbing is pretty bad, I can't get away from that but with that I think it genuinely is one of the most cohesive Argento outings um, since opera, I think I think it's safe to say that. Um, even though I do think his entry into Evil Eyes is fucking incredible, yeah. um, and we, we both declared our love for trauma. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think he, he really just hits hits his stride and it really does capture all those sweet notes that you want from an Argento Giallo movie and Sleepless. Uh, in terms of grades, uh, carrying on the the Netflix grades. It's a five from me. I actually I love this Woo-hoo. movie. Nice. Um, I th- yeah, I, I, there's no way I can't say that I don't love it. I've watched it out of 
the the usual mainstay Argento ones um, that you watch all the time, Infernal Tenebrae, Phenomena, Suspiria, Deep Red, etc, etc, and all the, the early, early 70s stuff. Um, Sleepless is up there in terms of how many times I've sat down and watched the movie. I think it's absolutely incredible. What about yourself, Richard? Where do you come in for Sleepless? Man, it's, uh, it's definitely a 3.5 bordering on a 4. I kind of like uh, just I just really was crestfallen with that that final uh, five minute running around bullshit. I, I was like, God, this is killing me because I never want to fast forward through movies. I never want to like, you know, just skip through anything. But I was really struggling with that uh, <laughs> that yeah. let's get to that house part. <laughs> you know, like ooh, fun. So yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, I'd say a three point five bordering on four. Boom! Very nice, very nice. Right, uh, this is the point where I ask you to once again pimp your stuff for people to go out and check your fantastic body of work that's out there. So yeah, uh, hellodoomshow.podomatic.com, doomedmoviethon.com, and uh, go to Amazon and look for Richard Glenn Schmitz, and you'll find uh, Giallo Meltdown and Cinema Somnambulist. And uh, I'm telling you folks, Gyrojets... You're never nothing. It's what the kids are dancing to. It's what the old people are plugging their ears. It's <laughs> it's it's what uh, your parents think music sounds like. No, yeah. I get it. <laughs> 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 right, and we're going to take the last break of the show. When I return, I'm closing out right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 105 with a double bill of our gentle goodness with my very special guest, Richard Smith from Hello, This Is A Doom Show podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed that out there as much as we enjoyed recording it. Ton of fun. Always great having Richard on the show. Can't wait to have him back on. God knows what we'll do next. Maybe more Argento. Maybe more Italian horror. Maybe we'll look further afield. Who knows? But yeah. Tons of things happening over here at the moment. Um, as you guys were probably aware, for those that checked out the Facebook group page, uh, we did a live stream myself and the Baz. The Baz returning to the podcast under the stairs after a slight hiatus. It was good to see him over there. We signed posters, the first eight posters for the Bazri Horror designed by uh, Joshua. Kelly has now went out. Um, we posted them. They are now in the mail. You should have them soon, folks, hopefully. Very soon, I posted them on Saturday, so some people should be getting them for about Tuesday, I think. And then the American one's probably just over a week, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Hopefully you dig the design as much as I do. I think it's really fucking cool, and I think the posters turned out fantastic, and that is testament to the great artwork that Joshua did for us. Um, yeah, really, really excited, and we have plenty of those posters still to go, so the first 25 will be signed and numbered by the Baz with an option for me to sign. So that's eight of them down, so what does that leave? My maths are terrible, 17, 17 left. And then after that, any of the ones that are purchased will just go out as standard. We recently kind of looked at, uh, there's been a couple of people on the Facebook group page talking about t-shirts. And obviously we did a run of t-shirts and baseball tops, but some people either didn't know we were doing them or couldn't afford them at that time. So it looks very much likely that I'll be setting up another merch page uh, for t-shirts 
probably over the next week, so keep your eyes peeled for that one. The campaign runs for 21 days, and if you want a t-shirt, get over to that. Now, we need a minimum of 10 people to buy. Uh, I think I'm going to buy one, so let's say a minimum of 9 people to buy uh, in order for that campaign to go through. So just be warned about that, and please check the sizing. I know some people were um, asking about larger sizes. I don't know what the, the size limit is for merch. I don't think it's as high as some of the... Uh, some of the American retailers put out so just please check that before you uh, go to buy one um, so you don't get one that you can't fit into it. So yeah, uh, that's that's going to happen as well. Um, it looks like if I get in my way there'll be a special bonus episode coming out potentially over the weekend or it might roll on to next Monday's episode which might be a bonus episode uh, and it should feature a couple of interviews that I'm really looking forward to doing. I can't really say much more than that because I don't want to put out details and then things to fall apart and I don't have the content. So either... Next Monday's episode will be a bonus one featuring some bitching interviews and possibly a sneaky movie review which will slide in there or it will be some other content that has still to be decided. Um, as it stands just now the date of this release we are four movies into our Rob Zombie end of term assessment with the Baz so one more movie to cover with that one so I would say it's probably safe to say in the next fortnight or so that show will be going live so please 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 keep your eyes peeled for that one that's going to be huge and if it's anything like the running times currently sitting at just now you're looking at close to a five hour show so that one's going to be a bit of an epic one to get your teeth into probably for those hardcore listeners a one sitter um, for those less hardcore, probably two or three sitters, so uh, the content recorded thus far has been hilarious, so, so I can't wait for those shows to go out. And it's a return of the Baz. So much stuff I want to do with the Baz this year, can't wait to get into it. As always, there is a multitude of ways though that you can check out the podcast under the stairs. The main avenue that I promote this show is on iTunes. And if you are a, a listener through iTunes but don't subscribe, please subscribe to that feed. Because if you do that, you get access to the new episodes as and when they drop. Plus uh, access to the entire back catalogue of podcasts under the stairs shows. So do it. Subscribe. Simple, easy. All you have to do is click the button that says subscribe. And if you are subscribing to us and you haven't left us some feedback yet on iTunes or you're a casual listener and still haven't left us some feedback, it is super important that feedback gets left. Now I go on about this all the time and some people have already started joking about it because it is kind of funny because I go on about it all the time. But it's super important for the promotion of the show on the iTunes home shop page. And basically you have a system there where there are all these podcasts competing against each other and a huge part of what moves up in the charts is shows that have been rated well um, so for every review we get especially if it's five stars the more of them we get the higher the charts were pushed and the more relevant we are to people that are checking out the, the, the store for new shows I mean a lot of people have stumbled across this show through iTunes so um, it works the system does work it's free it's quick, it doesn't take a lot of time and all it takes is you to take a couple seconds, leave us a little bit of feedback over there, it means a world to us, it really really does. You can check out this show on Stitcher Smart Radio and on SoundCloud, please visit our website tputzcast.com and the Baz is in charge of our twin prongs of social media sexiness. That's right, you can interact with us on Twitter and on Instagram by going to at Cast. I apologise profusely for whatever the Baz sends you back. Trust me, it's a murky seedy past.
path that once you go down, there's no getting out. Uh, please visit our Facebook group page, the best goddamn Facebook group page on the internet. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. I think that is all for this week. Please take care of yourselves out there, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are, whatever you're up to, and whatever the time zone is out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs. Signing off.